Hello, and welcome to the Leveled Up Podcast. I'm Megan Johnson. I'm Danae Austin. And I'm Sarah Flannery. Today, we had the absolute pleasure of interviewing Jen Yuen, the founder of the Pledgettes. Um, and we got to pick her brain about how she formed the Pledgettes, what is money, why it's important to talk about it, and nonetheless, money confidence. We did split this episode into two, so you'll catch next week's wrap-up about ours next week. Uh, welcome to the Level Up Podcast. Uh, today, we're starting off with a really cool guest that I'm super excited personally to have on the show, uh, Miss Jen. How do you say your last name? You have? Yeah. Nice. Okay, crushing it right off the bat. Um, I say that because I've never actually met Jen in person, but we've been connecting all through uh, this pandemic over a lot of different stuff. But Jen is the founder of the Pledgettes. And um, I'll let her tell you about it, obviously, but it's an organization that really focuses on in-depth conversations about women and money. And um, obviously I'm biased, but that I think is the most important conversation personally. So Jen, welcome. Uh, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. And I have appreciated our conversations through the craziest year to talk about money. But I think the silver lining of it is that we are talking about money. So many people have needed help, whether it's filing for unemployment for the first time or PPP loans or what the heck should I actually do with this $1 that I have because I need to make it stretch to $5 right now. Yeah, exactly. And I think that those, it's so funny because I feel like everybody kind of assumes that this would affect everybody in the same way. 100% has not like, right. I've seen people in my network get raises. I've seen them all of a sudden be really excited about investing because of what's going on in the market. People are learning about their finances sometimes for the first time, but on the flip side, you're, you're right. Especially in that kind of entrepreneur space, especially people are really starting to get creative about how to make sure that they're still stable and happy and investing and taking care of themselves even when the market's super weird and things are being closed down and you can't necessarily predict everything. So I think you've been an incredible resource for, for people all through this with um, all of the things that you do. And, you know, I'm going to let you talk about, you know, a lot of the different aspects of what you do with the Pledgettes. But one of the things that I think is the coolest is that you run an event um, continually that's just a hundred women talk about money. And I think it's so cool. So why don't you let us know a little bit more about that? Because it's so unique and I, I love what you're doing. Yeah. And it's really the premise of why I started the Pledgettes. I grew up in a family that openly talked about money. Thanks, mom and dad. Um, and I realized in my adulthood, I gravitated towards people who also love to talk about money openly. And I say love to talk about money, not in a greedy way, how can we get the most money, but to really understand money and to make it less taboo. And so I realized of the people I was having these awesome, healthy conversations with, there were also probably women that wanted to be included in the conversation and mm -hmm. just didn't know where to find these people. So uh, with the Pledgettes, we say start a conversation. On our Instagram feed, we post conversation starters all the time. And we can even play this game because I full on have a deck of conversation starters all about money. Um, so we can play some of that later if we want oh, to. Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> I love games. I love all games. 
Awesome. Everyone's game for a game. So we'll definitely do that. And so with that, I realized, um, let's get a hundred women together and start talking about money. The first time we did this was in June. And then we did it again on August 26th for Women's Equality Day. Super stoked. Um, we're doing it with Denver Startup Week on Monday, September 14th. The Monday of Denver Startup Week. In the <laughs> and that's going to be like a startup edition because what I love about this and talking about money is the topics are infinite. Like everything can be talked about with money. And uh, so we're going to kind of keep mo moving it around and maybe do like a self-employed edition or, oh, good. you know, whatever. First time parents edition. I don't know. We're just brainstorming here, but we're going to so do great. a lot of different editions of a hundred women talking money. I love all of this. Um, and I feel like I say this often on the podcast. So if you're a podcast listener, I don't say this all the time to everything. We're just blessed with like amazing podcast guests that <laughs> I, um, I end up just loving it. Um, and part of the reason I love this is, and we've talked about this on the podcast in the past is I'm not particularly money motivated, but I value things like security and safety as like top, top values. And so uh, one of the greatest things in my life is Danae Osted, who uh, helps me understand how money is, uh, well, I mean, I knew it before. I've been stupid poor, right? Like I know how poor, like how that relation uh, between money and security. And um, Danae just is always this such a great voice for having the conversation around how money is a tool for you. Um, and through my career and through my practice since 2016, one of the things that I'm realizing uh, that I had in myself, but I'm seeing that it's very, very common, and I'd like you to talk more on it, is how women are really, really not prepared um, in the same way as men around, about this conversation about money and how to use it as a tool in their life. And um, in their career, from the very start, you know, you, we can look at statistics all day long about how a woman starts her career at a lower base rate. And that's why women are underpaid 20 years later, because you just can only negotiate at what negotiation place you're at. Mm -hmm. And um, so it, in, a, in a corporate setting, but also in a small business setting, your rates and what you're, how you negotiate with vendors and all of those things, it's all about money, but it's all about a lot more. And so... Um, I think without getting into my own money story, you can listen to old, old podcasts. I think it was, was it the Christina Martinez? Probably. Episode? We talked a lot about money on that one. Yeah. Um, episode that I talked a lot about my money story, but I, I was, I'm interested, especially because of your resume, which I want to get into later, but I'm, I'm interested in um, how you see as a broad swath in, in women in general and their money story and, and how that uh, is really affecting their day-to-day -day and, and future aspects. Yeah, totally. So huh. there's a lot of statistics out there and we can talk about them, but um, over the course of a career right now, cumulatively, a man will make a million dollars more than a woman in her career. So male version of you will have a million dollars more at retirement age that they have made than you. And that's because men get paid more, which we've got to work on pay transparency and the gender income gap. They take fewer breaks in their career. 
women are the ones that tend to care for an elder parent or kids or take off to care for anyone and everyone. Um, and men invest earlier and more often. And that's the biggest thing because when you look at compound interest, NerdWallet has a great compound interest calculator. You can Google them, you can find them. Play with some numbers in there and compound interest is a gift when you use it. So um, one thing that really resonated with me, Sally Kroshek, the founder of Elevest, which is a robo-advisor geared towards women, she tells a story that um, parents talk to their daughters about money like it's a pond. It's a scarce resource. Save it all up. Keep all your money in your pond. Don't indulge. Don't splurge. Be thrifty. Be a good saver. Are all of these kind of little tidbits and money tricks and tips kind of resonating where parents then talk to their sons about money more like it's a river. How do you use your money to make more money? Money is energy. It's moving. You can put money in. You can take money out. And I, I'm fortunate that my parents talk to my brothers, sisters, and I all the same about money and definitely more like a river. Um, but, but we have to change that narrative. And at the same time, we have to realize where our parents were because our parents learned about money from our grandparents who learned about money from our great grandparents. And, you know, over the last hundred years, women's relationship with working with money has changed significantly. Until 1974, women needed their husband's signature to get a credit card in their name. That makes me so mad when I think about that. 19 what? I yeah. didn't know the statistic. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> Could you imagine if somebody said, like, oh, here's a good example. When Danae and I were setting up something, we were rolling over a 401k. My 401k. Yeah. And this company wanted my husband's fucking signature to roll over my money that I made in my goddamn career. I was, I knew it wasn't Danae's fault. I was never mad at Danae, but I was like pissed. I was like, what is this old bullshit? Oh, I'm getting, can you see my face getting red? I was so mad about it. And so it was 1974 when we couldn't even get a, a credit card in our own name, but still today there's bullshit like that that exists. Yeah. I bought my first condo in uh, Chicago in 2004. And um, as a single woman, my title on it was spinstress. 2004, people. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. Let me buy property. Call me whatever you want. I, I like should have changed my email address to spinster Jen or something fun because that's just like crazy, but there's all these like antiquated systems and forms and processes that we have to like really look at and say, doesn't fucking make sense anymore. I'm, uh, can I write spinstress since 2004 for you on my note sheet that I'm going <laughs> to totally. post a picture of? Okay, thank you. That's so weird. So Jen, I do residential mortgages for a living and I'm licensed in Illinois to do mortgages. And that's not that long ago. And I'm like, that's not an option for me. It's like sole ownership, single woman, whatever. But like, I just got married literally on July 5th. I have technically been single for now going on 36 years as of Thursday is my birthday for you know, almost 35 years of my life. And to think about the fact that I couldn't get a credit card in my own name at that point in time, like just, just hypothetically speaking, it like infuriates me. I am like, hell no, this is not the thing. Because it's not that long ago. We have to say, like, thanks for 
like the feminists in the 60s who like were just fed up and frustrated and went and broke into the government system and played the games and got the first women's convention, like did all of this stuff to pave the way to where we are today. And then we have to look at the systems that are in place today and say, oh, hell no, we want women 20 years from now to not have to deal with this bullshit. So we need to bust up these systems. So yeah, we're like creating anarchy, I think on this call right now, we're just going to yeah, well, right. I think, so I know that Megan had kind of asked a little question, but so I am very money motivated at the current moment. And I do feel like my upbringing, I will first say my money, my relationship with money, I feel like is shitty. I feel like I'm like in desperation when I don't have it or I don't have a lot of it. And so a lot of what you just said about how we're educated in the beginning as women, that money is kind of like this pawn and you just hoard it and like, you know, you have to keep it all and, and be really super frugal. Um, and I'm interested if you don't mind sharing just to jump a little bit of a tangent, what are some of the things that you find how men are educated at a younger age that maybe are some terms or some things that people can say to their family while raising daughters to like kind of avoid not doing that? Yeah, I think just like the, the first step is awareness of are you talking to your sons and daughters differently about money and differently about life and their career and expectations and goals and all of that. Like, let's just equalize the conversation and talk to both of our kids about the same thing because we are getting married later in life. I was 36 when I got married. And if I waited for that someday or waited for my partner to start making money moves, I would be so far behind. And instead, I came into a marriage with an awesome 401k, with having owned property um, and a good salary. And um, my husband and I, we talk about money very openly all the time, but we like will tease each other and I'm like, I know you married me for my money. And he's like, I know you married me for my credit score. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> totally not true, but has been helpful for both of us. Um, yeah, I think, you know, like you should want your children to be successful in whatever environment that they're growing up in. So let's talk about these things. And I think the biggest like reveal about money is to remember that nobody was born knowing anything about money. So everything about money is learned. So the people who are financial advisors, Danae, learned everything about money to get her job. She wasn't born with it. Those that work in, you know, these like epitome of money hungry jobs, whether it's like an investor or um, like a wall, working on wall street or any of these like high pressure, high money jobs, like they learned it. They learned all the jargon. They learned all the terms. They learned the game and they're playing it. So we all can learn right. the game. There's no secrets. <laughs> right. It's not something that's brand new right. or hidden per se. Yeah. I will say that there aren't any secrets, but it is Def and first of all, I learned everything I learned about money after I got my job. <laughs> I got the job first and they're like, you seem smart enough that you can do this and I figured it out. Um, but I think that um, 
money is something that I feel like there's the kind of this like shroud of mystery around sometimes because I think some of it's on purpose. Like, has anybody seen the big short? Like I love the big short. It's one of my favorite movies, especially about money, because what I love is that they take concepts that people make sound so, so complicated. And then they have Margot Robbie explain it in a bathtub or Selena Gomez sitting at a poker table, you know, like none of these concepts are really that complicated, but for so long, it's been in the financial industry's best interest to keep people unaware, to just like work with these like old white dude advisors who say, just give me your money and trust me that I'm not going to mess up your life. And guess what? They messed up a lot of lives. And so I think now there's this revolution happening that I'm so excited about as somebody who's in the industry because people want to know more about their money. They want to educate mm-hmm. themselves. They're, they're constantly thirsty and seeking for more, more education, more information. How do I get better? How do I learn more? And now there are so many resources coming up, you know, between what you're doing, between what I'm doing, you know, Elevest, uh, there's a million different resources now that people can start with. But mm-hmm. I feel like we still, you know, part of this barrier here is just what you're talking about, that like a lot of women specifically feel a certain way about money, but we don't know why. Like, we're like, you know, no, I'm not the one who's supposed to be managing the finances, but like, right. but why? Nobody ever told us why. I just assumed that that wasn't the case. You know, I love- I my- think it was modeled. Like it was so yeah, exactly. modeled for us. And which brings me to like the next kind of twist I was interested in having this conversation around is we talked about it uh, in genders. I, I also think there's this huge generational thing that has occurred because we learned, like you said, Jen, we learned from our parents and we, and they modeled how to deal with money. So if I modeled my, the way my family deals with finances right now, the way I was, it was modeled for me, it would be a very different story, right? And thank God my husband had really smart parents that taught him how to balance a checkbook at like 12. Like they were, they're just so good. And I'm so grateful for my security because that's what I care about because my husband was real smart and taught me a lot of stuff. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, but I think um, it, it is very generational about how we choose to deal with money. And, and we kind of already talked about it. Like, what are you teaching the next generation? How are we, how are we talking about that with the next generation? So what have you seen generationally um, as far as it goes to, uh, to with how to deal with money and like confidence with investing and confidence with using it as a tool, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, even just like Gen Z, for example, they grew up with, tutors and coaches and all of these resources and all of these experts around them and the internet that's full of anything that you want to Google, you can Google. And so I think they're, they're used to like this transparency of being able to call bullshit on what's bullshit and confidently figure out the answer. And I, I love that. Um, there are also, uh, there are still like these antiquated ways that we are learning about money from our parents, from our peers. Um, and we need to learn more because if we just rely on our parents' strategies, we're not going to be able to retire. You cannot save your way to retirement in a 0.01% interest savings account. It's not going to work. So like you have to take some risks. And I think it's so awesome to see people investing 
in all these different unique ways that weren't even accessible to our parents. Our parents didn't invest in BitCurrency. Like, I'm not advocating for people to invest in BitCurrency. Do your research. It's <laughs> not financial advice, yada, yada, yada. Just like, uh, but, you know, like looking at uh, BitCurrency, self-directed IRAs, REITs, um, starting a business on your own, starting a side hustle, like, do you do a robo-advisor? Do you use a certified financial planner? Like there are so many more options out there and I think it's all more accessible. And I think this is like a learning generation that just wants to learn more because they grew up like with all these experts around them with coaches and tutors. And, and I think it's awesome. They also are more comfortable talking about these taboo topics that, you know, we were told not to talk about. Yeah, I, I do right. think, I agree with that. I'm actually about to teach a class tomorrow night um, for my whole office about uh, millennials. So like closing business with millennials specifically, because it's so funny, all of the, um, not all of them, but quite a few of the older people in my office come to me for advice, which I don't feel like I'm the expert here really, but they come to me for advice because they have the hardest time working with millennials as clients. It is it is wild to me that I'm like, oh, you mean my entire market? Like that's who you have trouble with? Um, but it's been interesting. Which is why they come to you. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm like, oh my God, I'm all right at this, you know, but I, I don't think I'm the expert, but I'm becoming the expert because I had to teach a class about it. So um, it, it's funny because I think that you're, what you're talking about too has such an element of vulnerability because, you know, think about like such an, a, a good example of that is like therapy right? Ask a baby boomer about going to therapy. Like they'll be like, oh, I would never, what a, what a scandal. But you know, you talk to anybody who's clutching their pearls. Like, like you guys should have seen this. If, if you can't see it, she clutched her pearls. Oh, I did clutch my <laughs> pearls, my virtual pearls here. So, but you talk to a millennial or Gen Z about therapy and they're, they're not going to just tell you about therapy. They're going to tell you about the outpatient work they did. They're going to tell you what medications they're on. They're going to tell yep. you like about their weird relationship between their therapist and their psychiatrist. Like they have no boundaries as far as what they're willing to talk about. So the idea that something like money is off limits is wild, right? It's not going to happen. Like they're, they're ready to talk about it and they're excited about it. And I think that more than ever young people, like really young people. So I'll say Gen Z, but also the tail end of the millennials too, are now getting into investing in a place where you're right. They have all of these resources available and they're also seeing modeling from, from influencers and people online for like, Hey, here's how you do this. If this is what you want, here's start to finish how you can do these things. And granted, that's not always the best idea because a lot of those people are not licensed uh, financial advisors. I'm a little bit biased here, obviously, but it doesn't matter. It's opening up the conversation to, okay, I know this much, like what part of that education and information can you complete? You know, what is it that you can add to what I'm doing? And it ends up being a really, really just fun and exciting conversation. Um, I will say though, millennials and Gen Z are skeptical as hell. Like they want to know, everything like a part of what's frustrating to these to a lot of the um the older people within the industry is that you make a recommendation to a millennial or to a gen z they're going to google it and they're going to come back with a list of questions about how it works and why it's a good fit for them and and how does it compare to this other thing that i also googled about right and um taylor did that my husband did that 100 oh, yeah yeah he totally <laughs> he definitely did <laughs> um, 
But that's not a bad thing. Like I actually look forward to it now because that means people are taking an active role in the conversation. You know, I think for so long, especially with women, the conversation was just, well, that's not really something that I take care of. You know, my, my husband manages the finances. He takes care of that stuff. And then something happens to their husband and they're left with no clue what they have in place. No clue what their retirement plan is. No clue who the beneficiaries are in their accounts or how to access that money. That happens all the time over and over and over again. So I'm just glad that people are having a more active conversation about it, even if that means that um, I have to deal with people Googling my recommendations every, every once in a while. And that's totally fine with me. You know, it makes me think of like the whole idea of secrets keep people sick. Yes. And, um, and I think that people hiding their money, troubles, concerns, issues, uh, lack of education, um, their credit score, like all of that is what keeps people financially limited. Um, and I think we see that in a lot of, um, a lot of different communities, obviously nobody, like I can't speak to a community of women of color or, or any of that, but I think that people listening, like I hope this opens a conversation that if your community isn't talking about money, you're not learning. And that is really the service that the Pledge S is doing is saying, let's have a, let's have a conversation, please. Like secrets keep people sick. And I think that's, I think that's the mission behind it. And I'd love it if you would talk a little bit more about the Pledge S and what you're plan is and all of that. Yeah. Um, so the Pledgettes is a community for women to talk about money. This group is a supportive group of women who are making money moves to achieve their financial goals. One of our members said this so brilliantly that got me really excited is that we share every financial success with the same enthusiasm. So in the same day, one person had enough money in their emergency fund to cover some unexpected vet costs and another person was launching a new revenue stream in their business. And there was equal celebration for both of these money milestones. And so I talk often about building out your financial A-team. And one type of person that everybody needs on their financial A-team is a high five tribe. Who are those people that can celebrate your success with? Because, um, you know, I think... If you're not allowed to talk about money, you quote unquote talk about money by buying stuff. You get a raise, you buy a new car. And then people say, Great. oh, congratulations on your new car. And you can talk about the new car for days and days and days. But wouldn't it be better if you could just say, I got a raise at work and everybody celebrates that. And then you don't have to waste money on a new car. That's so smart. Yeah, that was great. That was an amazing correlation because I, I talk about this all the time that I see people, I see the nitty gritty of everybody's finance when they're getting a mortgage, whether it's a refinance or buying or whatever you're doing. And there's a lot of people that I have done mortgages for that are these high-end VP tech companies making buku bucks, $300,000 plus a year, and they are drowning in debt because they went out and bought the new car. They, they're doing the physical showing of how much money they're making and living outside of their means instead of having that amazing conversation and getting the, not getting the like mortified, like, oh, they're bragging about it, but like, shit, yeah, good for you. These two happen to be in my high five tribe and same back at them because I can share these money goals that I have hit or that they've hit or, you know, as whatever. And all of us are like, great job. You know, like we are constantly supporting and talking about it. 
Um, so I think that was such a powerful, powerful thing. Yeah. 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 And back, back to like secrets keep people sick. Like the only person who's benefiting from you not sharing from you not sharing how much you make is your company. And so who you work for, who not work who you're surrounded by, but who you work for. Yes. Your employer. Just so we're clear, your employer is winning by you keeping secrets. And, you know, if I'm so impressed with like companies like Buffer who have this pay transparency, radical pay transparency, and it's super impressive to see because then also, you know, you get to aspire to those next levels and you're working at a company where you just trust everybody is making what they should. Now, you can have opinions for days and days and days about it. And if you are going to stress out about that, you need to find a company that has a lot of secrets because that's where you belong, not at a company that wants community and pay transparency and, and all of these authentic things that people believe that they want. And so, you know, nobody is telling you you have to keep all of this stuff a secret. Mm-hmm. So we can talk about it. So the Pledgettes, we are our high five tribe. And then we collaborate with experts every week who come in and talk about their area of expertise on money. Because there is not one all-knowing person who knows the perfect path for you to take to be the richest, best person in the world with money. Right. You know, there are people who we work with, lenders, insurance agents, and realtors to talk about what it looks like to invest in real estate. We work with financial planners, um, to talk about investments. We work with banks. Our banking thing has me talking for months and months and months because you all have to need to check out mightydeposits.com. It's valued aligned banking. So you can go in there and you can say, I'm for women equality. I'm for black equality. I'm for the environment, whatever. And they will tell you which banks are spending your money where. The best thing they said, your deposits are the fuel that banks use to determine which people, industries, and projects get funded. That's really cool. You were the first one who raised that to me as something that mm -hmm. was even a thing. And I was like, that 100% makes sense. I knew that banks lend out our money to businesses and individuals, but like, I never thought about the process of how and how to go about choosing that. And that's the coolest thing. Like, so many, especially women, when they're talking about money, I feel like it's never just about the money. It's also about the mission. But I feel like a lot of that feel like, you know, think that means that eventually I'll be able to donate a ton of money to the causes that I care about, or I'll have the time freedom to, right. to donate time. But the idea that even now, while you're still building, just by banking in a certain place, like that makes a huge difference. That's so cool. I, um, I love that. And what I also love about what your group is doing besides everything you've said so far, because obviously I'm a huge fan, but I love that the conversations aren't just, okay, here's this broad topic of women and money and we're just breaching the surface each time. Like you always, you go in depth about, you know, what it is that, that are really important to, to people in this group, because it's so funny, like being in the financial industry, it is so funny to me how often people think I'm an expert because I talk about women in finance half the population in finance, right? And that makes me niche because I focus on that half of the population. It is wild to me how many times like people come, they'll, they'll introduce me in a ridiculous way. They'll be like, today's the embodiment of, of women's empowerment in finance. And I'm like, 
I just help women. Like that's, that's it. That's all I do. And it is wild to me that like, it's revolutionary for me to just have conversations about women in finance in general. That's basically on a surface level. Hey, women need to talk about money more. They need to be more confident. There's a gap in what women are making. Like having that conversation, that introductory conversation over and over again, I'm having people tell me that it's helpful. So, but then I think that's ridiculous. And so I go to you and I'm like, Oh, finally, like somebody's having deeper conversations beyond just, you know, the, the gender pay gap and beyond just that women need help. Like it's delving more in depth every single time with stuff that's really relevant and exciting. And you've also created a community where everybody, I, I think so much of the time, like, you know, when you're working in a feminine energy, like I try to, it's so frustrating for me that I feel like I have to try and be in competition with other advisors or other people in finance. And instead of, recognizing that this is a conversation that has to be had by everybody. And so it's not something that, that breeds competition. Like you have such a cool environment that breeds, Hey, we're all working towards the same cause here. Everybody needs to learn more about this. Let's all grow and learn together. And none, none of us know every single piece of this puzzle. So that was a, a rant, but I, I get excited about it. You know, I love what you're doing. Yeah. I love it. And uh, I forget one of our, we had a, a session on how to hire a financial professional and um, they're just like great tips. Like ask them, ask your, whoever you're interviewing, financial representative, CFP, whatever, how do you make your money? It's not a secret that these are careers and occupations that get paid to do this. But Danae, to your point on like feeling questioned, like the old guard of financial advisors don't want to be questioned and sometimes will overcomplicate their answers so that people feel like, well, if I can't even understand the answer to my question, I can't understand anything about money. So here, you should just manage all my money for me. Mm -hmm. And they will mm -hmm. purposely overcomplicate. So again, another red flag is if this person is not answering your questions in a direct way that you feel confident about the, the money decision you're making, because at the end of the day, you're building your wealth. Your wealth advisor is not co-investing with you and you're going to split the difference at the end like no this is your money this is your decision you are the final decision maker and if they will not answer your question directly there i guarantee you there are 10 advisors that will so it's yeah, not the right fit for you man yes just keep dating because this is mind-blowing you may have a longer relationship with your financial advisor than you do with your spouse it is very true. So true. Like that is statistically true. <laughs> Especially as women, we live longer. I, I can't tell you, I've seen a huge change. When I first started doing mortgages eight years ago, I used to talk to a lot of women, older women that had lost their husbands and now they're in the process of buying a new house or refinancing or whatever. And they're like, I don't understand where this money comes from. I just know it's getting deposited into my account every month. And I'd have to call their financial advisor to get a copy of the statement to decipher whether it was IRA, annuity, life insurance, 401k, pension, something, because half of these people did not know where their money came from because they it never got discussed and their husband went faster than they thought or quicker than, you know, he just is gone now and they never had the conversation about it. Um, I see it less now, 
but I tend to see it a lot more in the older generations than I do in the younger generations. I mean, just getting married literally two months ago, whatever it was, uh, COVID has my dates all screwed up, but I mean, we went through premarital counseling and we spent weeks on this because I am very, very passionate about being on the same page as my husband on where we stand financially and how we're going to grow our wealth. Um, and I mean, he grew up in Texas. He has some of those very traditional, um, you know, mindset. The husband makes more money. This is, this is, this. And it, it took us weeks to kind of get past his, his hangup because his wife makes more money than him. Yeah. And crushing it. <laughs> probably will for the rest of our lives. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's not right. like, I'm not saying this as like a pride thing. I'm saying this is a realistic thing that yeah. women are powerful, powerful beings and there's nothing wrong with it. And now how do we, how do we maximize this? How do we make our money work for us so that when we are done with working, we can step away and now live super comfortably because that's mm -hmm. the life that we built. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think yeah. that, I love that you had that conversation about if somebody can't simply explain to you how it is that they get paid, then keep, keep moving. Um, but I think that goes across the board because when it comes to money, like, and just education in general, like if you can't simply explain something, you probably don't really understand it all that well yourself. So, and I, I say that because there's a million different ways to invest in the financial industry. I mean, I work with whatever, 300 different companies and I have access to all of their products and all of the writers that could potentially go on all of those products and all of the variations of how we could structure things. And so, first of all, nobody knows any, everything, right, across the board. But what I found is that the best advisors that I know, um, and you know, I'm, I'm definitely getting there myself, but the best advisors that I know, know how to explain things in simple terms so that instead of just saying, hey, we're going to do this, just trust me, they could say, hey, here's what we're doing and here are your options so that you can make an informed choice for yourself. But you can't make right. an informed choice unless you actually understand what your choices are. Right. You know? So having just like, hey, this is very simply what it is that you have the option to do. Here are the consequences. Here's what I think you should do and why. That's so much more of a productive conversation and so much more of a, I know it's cliche, but so much more of an empowering conversation when you can take advantage of your own finances because you actually understand what you're doing. So it, that's, yeah. I think that's so fundamental is just basic education about what it is that's available and what your options are, you know? Hey guys, we really appreciate you listening to the podcast. And what we really need is for you to like, subscribe, comment, share, and let us know what you think and share it with everybody that you want to help level up.